0: Welcome to the SLU CAS podcast for January, 2024. Today's guest is Dr. Laura Birch. She is the assistant professor of psychology and the clinical director of the Psychological Services Center here at St. Louis University. January is self-love month, and she will be discussing tips to take better care of yourself and also advice on stressful situations that are relevant to faculty, staff, and students. January is Self-Love Month. Self-Love Month is a time to appreciate yourself and invest time in conscious, physical, spiritual, and psychological growth. It involves prioritizing your happiness and your well-being. Your needs won't take care of themselves. You should pay attention to yourself on this amazing holiday. Self-Love Month is all about building self-worth and getting what you deserve. So, Dr. Birch, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Thank you. And I wanted to see if you could maybe give an overview on Self Love Month and give our listeners, who probably will be mostly students, faculty, and staff, maybe give them some some tips on self love.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when I think of self love, I actually think of self compassion, and self compassion um, actually originated in Buddhist philosophy, but it has been Um, more widely defined in the Western culture in the last few decades as something that is really beneficial um, for people across a whole range of outcomes. And I can define it for you if you would like me to. Please do. So there's different definitions. The one that I have is by Kristen Neff. And self-compassion is defined as kindness toward oneself. Um, especially in the face of pain or failure. And this is in opposition to criticism and judgment. So oftentimes when we experience pain or failure, failure or difficult um, situations in our lives, we become our own worst critic. And so this is really saying um, kindness and acceptance. It's also defined as connectedness rather than isolation in one's experience and recognizing that all humans experience suffering um, and really taking solace in knowing that there's a connection there. Also, mindfulness or being aware of challenging things without over-identifying with them. Um, And finally, just acknowledging, this kind of goes into mindfulness, but acknowledging Um, that we are as people um, is okay, and acceptance for ourselves.
0: That's all great. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely.
0: So I thought we would do an activity where I give you some situations that would be relevant to people here on campus at St. Louis University, whether it's a student, a faculty member, or a staff member, and then you could give some advice to someone that might experience that situation, or even if they haven't experienced it yet, might someday, and it might be valuable advice to them. Um, So the first situation is a student is in a first-time relationship And they are in love and the relationship ends and the student is experiencing stress and some depression Um, while feeling these emotions. They're also also trying to keep up with their studies. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So this is, again, another universal human experience, right? So um, many of us have probably been in relationships that have ended um, or experienced pain, um, emotional pain in other ways. Um, So I would say to this student first to acknowledge that they are experiencing a moment of suffering and this is hard Um, and giving some space for that. I think especially in Western culture, we are really quick to think we have to be happy all the time when um, really pain and sadness are universal emotions. We are meant to feel those. Um, It's actually part of our um, instincts. Right. So. Um, If we lose a a loved one, if we don't experience sadness, that might be a cue that something's not okay. Um, If we are, you know, faced with a lion running at us, if we don't experience fear, we are going to have some really hard outcomes, right? So negative emotions are part of the normal experience. So I think first of all, just having that awareness And then I would also encourage this person to think about how they might talk to a friend who's going through the same thing. So oftentimes after a painful experience, we might turn inward, especially you mentioned depression, right? So thinking, what did I do wrong? Um, Maybe even thoughts of I'm not lovable. Um, Will I ever be happy again? These are common um, emotions or thoughts that people have after a breakup. And so really kind of slowing down and saying, this is hard. This is painful. And um, what would I say to someone who is going through the same thing? Would I be telling my friend, you're unlovable. You just ended a relationship. You're never going to be happy again. Of course not, right? That mm-hmm. you would never speak to someone else like that. And so instead, what would we say to a friend and how could we say that to ourselves and just extend kindness? And again, this um, universal principle of, of I'm not alone in this. I'm not the only person who's ever been heartbroken um, and reminding yourself of that too. I do want to touch on though. So it's it's normal to experience heartache and sadness after a breakup, if there is depression involved, and so depression is more kind of that clinical range of um, you know, significant or extreme sadness accompanied by not wanting to do things, maybe loss of appetite or increased appetite, increased sleep or decreased sleep, so kind of an extreme end, that might be a signal that talking with a professional is necessary. Um, Certainly, if there are any signs of wanting to hurt yourself or hurt someone else, that's definitely a sign to get professional help. Again, a normative experience to need someone um, who has those credentials to really be able to process this with. Um, So that would be a sign that you might need to go talk with a counselor, maybe at the UCC or a therapist at the Psychological Services Center. Both are here at SLU. Um, You can talk with your physician, they can give you referrals or even crisis lines if those are necessary.
0: That was perfect. Thank you. And I think that's very helpful advice for anyone experiencing those things.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: So the next one um, is a staff member is a new parent and is dealing with a lack of sleep because as we know, babies don't always sleep. They need to stay on top of their job, but they're having a lack of focus and energy at times. Um, what can they do to get their energy and focus?
1: Gosh, so this is a hard one because there's no magic solution for <laughs> uh, lack of sleep, right? We know that um, wellness, physical wellness, so in terms of proper nutrition, proper sleep, proper rest, even if it's not in the form of sleeping are really important. Um, so when any of those are disrupted, it becomes challenging so I would encourage this staff or faculty or person in general again to have some kindness to themselves that this is hard um, and maybe to reflect on expectations they have of themselves so is giving 80% enough for a few months this isn't forever um, you said that this is of a new child, right? So an yes. infant Okay. Yeah. So especially then this is not forever. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. And how can I pour into myself during this challenging time? How can I be kind to myself? How can I give myself um, recognition that I can't be a superhero right now? Um, or Quite frankly, they probably are being a superhero, but can't go above and beyond right now, maybe at work and that's okay. Um, But also really connecting with others who are going through the same thing. Um, As humans, we need things to feel normalized. We need to feel connection with other people to know we're not alone. And it can be really easy to be isolated as a new parent. So maybe that's joining support groups. There are lots in the community. You can even go on the antiquated Facebook and find some support groups there um, and really connecting with other people um, and getting rest where you can. So maybe that is if you have an office closing the door for 10 minutes and doing some mindful breathing or even laying your head on your desk. Maybe that's on the drive home doing some um, mindful exercises or even just some soothing music to kind of debrief after the day, um, after work, getting some quiet time there. One thing that I do want to highlight is a lot of times when people think of self compassion, Um, they think about it as being an excuse or too touchy-feely, or if I'm too self-compassionate, I'm going to give myself too much slack and I'm going to be lazy or um, it's too self-indulgent. And in fact, it's the opposite. So data have shown that people who are able to stop and slow down for a moment and acknowledge their um, humanness, their humanity, Um, that they're not alone and that it's okay to struggle and experience hard hard situations, they're actually more likely to work harder. They're more likely to um, be in better positions, to make good decisions, to um, use positive coping skills, and their outcomes are actually better. So something I want to highlight, too, that this is not an excuse to um, to be lazy or whatever the the myth might be, but instead it actually leads to improved outcomes.
0: That's great. That's very helpful. Not only to me, but to other parents, um, yes. I'm dealing with a sleep regression right now with a toddler. And I actually talked to a faculty member a couple weeks ago that has a newborn and, and he's experiencing, um, the, the, Problems that come with sleepless nights and then needing the energy to teach in front of a room full of students and how he doesn't want to affect um, or have his, his lack of sleep affect his teaching.
1: Yeah, it's tough. I remember I have a 15 year old and I remember those times while even she ended up being a great sleeper. She was sleeping through the night by three months, but those three months were some of the most challenging <laughs> in my life. And in fact, a few years ago, I got a puppy and it's silly to compare a puppy with a newborn, but I was not sleeping for several months with my new puppy. Sure. And kind of the joke in my home is um, if I'm not sleeping, I'm a bit of a monster. And so everyone's like, oh, make sure mom gets her sleep, make sure mom gets her sleep. And it's just the reality, right? So um, Mm -hmm. even thinking through for this professor, how can you talk with your students and just show your humanity that, hey, I'm struggling right now and Mm -hmm. I want to do a good job. I have office hours. Come talk to me. I'm doing my best. And I might not be at 110% right now. And here's what's going on. Yeah. And of course, asking for help. Um, I know that not everyone has this, but if you have family or loved ones who are willing to come hold a baby for a few hours while you (laughs) get some alone time or take a nap. um, Again, I know it's not feasible for everyone, but really using your support system. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you. That's very helpful. Um, The third one is, very common. A student is suffering from test anxiety and they have a big week of final exams coming up. Yeah.
1: Ooh, that's a tough one, right? Cause we place, um, so much expectation on ourselves and there's also a reality to it. So if we don't do well, there might be consequences to that. Um, so sometimes when we think about self-kindness or talking ourselves through things, um, we catastrophize. So we make situations bigger than they are. And that's probably likely what's happening here. But also there might be a reality where if you don't do well on a test, then it might bring your GPA down. So there's kind of a clash between catastrophizing and this reality that feels really overwhelming. So I would encourage this person to really pour into their physical well-being their mind and body so really making sure in general but especially the weeks leading up to this these tests or this one test to be eating well to compartmentalize. So maybe give yourself two hours where you literally set a timer and study during those two hours. And then when the timer goes off, make yourself stop because studying all day, pulling all night or studying for eight hours at a time actually is not helpful for for test performance. Making sure you're getting sleep, also moving your body if it's safe to do so, getting exercise in some form. Um, Getting outside time as you can. I know winters in St. Louis are tough, but if you can get outside for 15 minutes, do those things to really calm your nervous system. Um, And then really think to yourself, okay, how can I survive this if I don't do as well as I hope? Um, So kind of thinking through, I like to say worst case scenario, this doesn't work for everyone. It does work for me. So even coming on this podcast, I thought, oh, gosh, what if I say something silly? Everyone's going to hear. And then I thought, okay, well, what's the worst case scenario? And how could I cope with that? Um, It's actually called coping ahead in the psychological world. So let's say you took a test and ended up not doing super well on it. How could you cope with that? Have you been through other hard things that you could survive this? Could you talk to your professor? Um, Could you ask for ways to make it up? Could you ask for extra credit? These aren't guarantees, but it, it can help kind of reduce the pressure we might put on ourselves to perform well. Also, this is not so much therapeutic as it is practical, but go to office hours. Professors love when students come to them. So if you're going to office hours, really build that relationship. That can also help ease some of the pressure for test taking. Um, And then going into the test, so day of and, and while you're taking it, taking big deep breaths to slow our sympathetic nervous system. So that's what causes us to feel anxiety. So taking a breath, so if you actually place your hands on your rib cage and take a big breath in, you should, your, you sh- your ribs should be moving, so they should be going up. So taking a few big breaths to really calm our, our system, maybe do some imagery um, beforehand. You can Google imagery exercises. These are all ways to kind of soothe our nervous system.
0: Thank you. That's very helpful. Yeah. Um, The next one is a faculty member is experiencing high levels of anxiety because they have a deadline for a book they are writing and they are teaching three courses. They're trying to balance that and also have a, a good family life balance.
1: Okay. So there's a lot going on here. And if this were a client of mine, who was coming in for this problem, I might ask them, is this workload realistic? And maybe it is. Um, but I think sometimes we overwork ourselves and then feel really anxious about overworking ourselves. Uh, so you might start there. Is it realistic to have all of these things? Um, and if it is, or maybe the person has overcommitted, they can kind of think through, how do I not do this in the future? But regardless, right now I've overcommitted. So I think some of these same principles really compartmentalizing. So um, from, you know, 10 to noon, I'm going to focus on prepping for this course. And then I'm going to give myself a 30 minute brain break um, or mindfulness break or nature break or rest break. And then from, you know, one to two 30, I'm going to spend time writing and long-term that, that is not necessarily what I would recommend to just compartmentalize your life all the time. But when we have periods in our life that are really stressful that we have to get through, that can be really helpful to kind of break down things that feel really overwhelming and help us to meet deadlines.
0: Great. Thank you. We have two more. Uh, okay. A student notices that their roommate is showing some signs of depression, um, but the roommate says they are fine and to leave them alone. You touched a little bit earlier on depression. So maybe you could speak on some warning signs and, and what a friend should do if they do notice that that their friend is experiencing some depression.
1: Yeah. So this is another tricky one because in this scenario, the friend is asking to be left alone. And so then we've also got um, boundaries and respect, right? So if someone is saying, I don't want to talk, I want to be left alone, I'm OK. How do we navigate worrying about them while also respecting their boundaries? And I don't think that there's a perfect solution here. I think it is kind of dependent on the relationship you have with your roommate or friend. Um And maybe in the past, the friend has said, when I shut down, that's a warning sign. And you know that um, versus kind of navigating this for the first time. So what I would suggest to this individual is to ask the roommate um, if they would be willing to talk for 10 or 15 minutes just so that they can make sure that they're okay and, and kind of share. I won't keep pestering you, but... Here are some things that I'm noticing and name facts, right? So keep it less about um, uh, impressions or less about assumptions. That's what I'm looking for. Less about assumptions and instead the facts. Here's what I'm noticing. I'm noticing that you're not as talkative as normal. I'm noticing that you're sleeping more and I'm worried and I'm wondering if there's anything I can do to support you. Um, So again, not... Not pushing the boundary too much. We want to respect them. Um, However, there are some warning signs. So if the friend is showing absolutely no motivation to do things, if they are sleeping a lot or not wanting to get out of bed, um, if they're saying anything about hurting themselves, this is really when, as a friend, um, it is appropriate to kind of help intervene. And we can't we can't do the work for our friend or roommate. But this is where you might go to the UCC or the Psychological Services Center and say, here's what's going on. And I'm really concerned. Um, you could even call a crisis line. So 988 is um, a crisis line that that gets you to 24-7 um, help. There's lots of lines, though. I'm happy to share those and say, here's what's going on. How do I support them? Um, if you have, you know, a class with the friend, maybe you could talk to your professor about it and, and loop in other people. Um, I also believe that there are some resources on campus. Um, I might have to look into what this is, but I think that you could pull in the um, student wellness center and, and ask them for how to support this individual, and maybe someone would reach out and do a check with the roommate. The other thing is, this is a good conversation to have proactively. So if you have friends and, and roommates who are not in a bad place right now, this is a great time to say, hey, we all have periods where we're struggling more than others. What might be some signs that I need to do more that I need to loop in a counselor or the wellness center, and then you can have that discussion. Um, so. You know, if you have a friend who is really struggling with anxiety, um, when do you need to really say, hey, let's talk, I'm here for you, Um, and they can kind of then tell you what their warning signs are. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's great. (laughs) You answered that very well. Thank you. Um, And we have one more. Um, We have a lot of international students and we have a lot of students from out of state. Um, whether they're freshmen or seniors, sometimes they have homesickness, they miss their home, their their network of family and friends uh, might be hours away. Um, could you speak on how a student might handle um, homesickness um, or missing their network at home?
1: Yeah, this is a big one. And again, it's so universal. So as we're talking through all these things, I'm just reminded of how universal these things are, that we all have periods of feeling alone or disconnected. And so you might start there and just remind yourself, wow, I am away at college right now, whether it's my first semester or my last semester, I'm separated from my support network um, or maybe some individuals didn't have a strong support network to begin with, and then they're in this new space, which can then add layers to that feeling of isolation. Mm-hmm. But first, just really stop and um, remind yourself that this is hard. Anyone in the situation that you're in is experiencing some level of challenge, even if it's not Clear. Um, We are really quick in our culture to pretend that things are okay when often um, we're all going through similar things a lot of the time. So just to be mindful of that. And then I would encourage these individuals to really build in support. So that could be around campus. Um, That could be, you know, the UCC has support groups. There are other groups and organizations to join. Um, looking in the community, there's you can Google, you know, meetup groups, or again, I know I'm really showing my age here with Facebook groups, but there are lots of kind of things through social media that you can meet up locally on. I would also encourage um, individuals struggling with this to really push themselves. So to think about things maybe as an experiment. Um, I'm going to experiment going up to this classmate that I've chatted with um, in, you know, psychology my psychology class and see if they would want to hang out, maybe get a coffee or get lunch or walk to the next class together. And maybe they'll say no, maybe they'll say yes, but I'll treat it as an experiment, right? And so not putting um, kind of more into something than it's worth. A lot of times we talk ourselves out of things. Um, And also, you know, maybe with loved ones, setting up a weekly phone call, um, a biweekly pen pal system or email check-in or FaceTime or Zoom call or something like that, really to build in that support and to just frequently remind yourself that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. This isn't forever. And if I'm willing to put myself into maybe vulnerable positions Um, I'm also able to build from there. And um, as Brene Brown would say, when we're being vulnerable, that is when our deepest connection really can happen. So I would encourage um, encourage students to really think through that.
0: Thank you so much. Dr. Birch, thank you for joining us today. You gave us a lot of helpful tips on uh, self-love month and also some situations that I think a lot of our listeners experience. So thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having
0: me.